Well, good morning and welcome to another week of worship at home at Faith Church. I uh, just want to say thank you for tuning in with us again this week. Um, it's awesome to see where people are tuning in from, not just all across Indianapolis, but even some around the world, which is awesome to see. So thanks for stopping in with us this morning and uh, jumping in again for another week in our Life in the Spirit series. So we spent a couple weeks looking at what life in the Spirit looks like, and now we're taking some time to walk through each of the nine flavors of the one fruit of the Spirit, right? That it's not multiple fruits, it's one fruit, right. nine flavors. And this week we're talking about joy, which is an interesting flavor of the Spirit to talk about yeah. given the situation we're in. Uh, yeah, and, and, and not just because of the situation we're in, um, but for life in general. I don't know if you've experienced this, but maybe in your own life, maybe you've seen it in other people's lives. Uh, we can, from the outside, look like we have everything that we would want. Yeah. Uh, you know, life is good. I've got good relationships and meaningful work and things are just arranged the right way. And yet we can still be unhappy. And then at the other end, sometimes you've experienced or maybe we've known people that on the outside, it's just hard. Like what they're going through in life is painful. It's difficult. It's yeah. stressful. Uh, it, it's uh, ongoing frustration. And yet they seem joyful. So there's this weird dynamic that happiness and joy are related somehow, but they're definitely not the same thing. Uh, so, as I've been reading, reflecting on that, uh, as we continue this series in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, how do we distinguish between joy and happiness, like having things go the right way? Because I think we can all recognize this temptation that we feel to put our hopes on external circumstances. What if those things never happen? Hmm. So like, what if those, you know, landmarks we're trying to get to, those relationships we want to have, those experiences we want to be a part of, what if they never happened? Would yeah. that happiness that we think we have or that joy we want to have, would it still be there? Yeah, e exactly. But because the reality, of course, is we're not all going to get married. We're not all going to fall in love. We're not all going to have kids. We're not all going to be millionaires. We're not all going to have perfect health until the day we die. Yeah. We're not all going to have deeply fulfilling relationships if that like god puts these desires in us and and he's not saying just stop wanting things or you know you're wrong for having those desires uh, we have desires for love for meaning for significance uh, for purpose for relationship it becomes a problem when the desire becomes a demand and we say i can't be happy i can't have joy until I have those things. Yeah. And I, and I think with what we're, where we're going in First Peter, we're going to see that there is a possibility in the spirit where we can experience joy, even if all of life's pleasures are not present, even if we're suffering, right? And we're going to get yeah. into that. So exactly. So, so then what is joy if it's, if it's related to happiness, but different from it? Uh, Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, as we've said. It's a result of God's working in us, right? Uh, so it's different from happiness, but there is an emotional component to it, and happiness is connected to joy. Well, John Piper defines joy this way. He says, joy is a feeling in the soul 
produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word and in his work. So, yeah, there, there's a feeling, there's, there's an emotional component, uh, but it's a fruit, a result of the Holy Spirit working in us as we don't necessarily have great circumstances, but we see the beauty, the goodness of Christ. So I think we say joy is not something that just happens to us. It, it doesn't just occur, especially because of external realities going on in our lives. It's something we can nurture and grow in. It's something that we participate in. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, uh, that, that God intends for us to have a, a kind of life that reflects what he is like and his character. And, and we're looking at these elements of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember last week we talked about love in 1 Corinthians 13. And as you pointed out, Paul's writing to these uh, discouraged Christians in 1 Peter. I mean, they're going through terrible persecution under Emperor Nero. Um, their, their lives are being endangered. They're being tortured for their faith. And, uh, and Peter is writing to them to, to try and give them hope and perspective in those trials to say, don't be overwhelmed by the reality of what you're going through and fall into discouragement, but I want you to experience joy as a result of hoping in God by his spirit. And there's enough going on in our world uh, to discourage anyone, right? So uh, there's plenty of reason to be discouraged, and yet above all that, God is saying, no, there, there's greater reason to have hope and joy in the gospel as we see and remind ourselves of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see going on in this first part of 1 Peter 1. So why don't we uh, jump in and look at that. Uh, three things that we're going to see, three reasons that God gives us to rejoice. Uh, first, he's saying we rejoice that God has chosen you to be part of his family. That's a reason for deep and lasting joy. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, you're pretty, you're pretty athletic. I mean, well, thank you. As, as I've observed, <laughs> I mean, I, that's not me. Uh, for one of the many reasons I was never a youth pastor. Um, I was always the awkward, gangly kid. And so you may not be able to relate, but perhaps others know the experience of uh, being one of the last to get chosen for baseball. You know, there'd be a group of kids and we're going to play baseball, we're going to play basketball. And nobody ever said, I want the tall skinny kid with glasses, right? Like, that's the guy I want on my team. Uh, I, I longed for that, right? Just once I wanted to have one of those captains go like, hey, you, I, I, want, I want you. You're the guy that I want. Yeah. But I was never chosen with a lot of enthusiasm. And I, and I think for all of us, whether we have been in that exact situation, which I think many of us have on the school playground, or even in friend groups, or working for you know yeah. your boss with other employees, we all want to be chosen. We all have that deep desire within us. And I don't think any of us, when we get chosen, experience that and go, oh, I hate that feeling. <laughs> you know, like it's a feeling that I think yeah. fills a part of us that we're just like, we all desire to be chosen. Yeah. So kids and parents, maybe again, this is an opportunity to pause for a minute and just talk about um, when did you want to be chosen for something, but you weren't, and how did that make you feel? Yeah, because in this world, if you think about it, we get picked because of what we can offer, 
because of something we can provide. We have some quality, some benefit, some uh, gift that uh, we can produce. We have to have enough positive qualities to make someone want us yeah. and to see value in us. So if God has chosen us, right. what's the value we have? <laughs> or is that a rhetorical question? That's a good rhetorical question. That's, that's why on the, one, on the one hand, the gospel is so awesome and why it's so hard for us to get because it's the exact opposite of the way the world works. Yeah. God did not look at us and say, man, I could really use that guy. I could really use her. I, you know, man, I'm impressed with him. Uh, no, the only thing we bring to the gospel is our sin and our brokenness and our repentance. Yeah. It's not like God was saying, man, I, I definitely want to get that person on my team. And that's ultimately good news. It doesn't feel like good news because there's that fleshly part of us that wants to rejoice in what I have to offer. Yeah, there's a pride that we feel thinking, well, I have good leadership skills. God's lucky to have me. Or I have, you know, the ability to play nine square with students. God's lucky to have me, right? So the pride, our sinful pride might like to think that God's choosing us because he needs us. But really, like you said, all we're bringing is our brokenness. Yeah, that, look, at, look at how Peter puts that in verses one to three. Uh, Peter, an, a, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the elect exiles, uh, you know, all these different places in the Roman world, according, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again through a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the dead. God is saying, if, if you are in Christ, you are part of God's family. And it is absolutely because of nothing that you did. God is the one who chose you. God looked at you not as a great potential, but as, frankly, a great liability because it sent Jesus to the cross. Yeah. And it's in love and in his great mercy that God has chosen us. And I think part of what brings lasting joy then is letting that amaze us and, and bring delight to our soul over and over again. Uh, like, I, I don't know if you have experienced this and uh, maybe like a, you moved into a new home or you got a new job that you're very excited about and you felt like, wow, I can't believe I get to live here. I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe they pay me for this. And, you know, eventually we get used to it and it wears off. And yeah. sometimes I think that happens with the gospel too. Like we stopped somehow being amazed with the fact that God loves me, that God chose me to be a part of his family. And that he likes me. Yeah, that, that he chose me, not like begrudgingly, like, okay, I'll take that one too. But with enthusiasm and joy, yeah. Jesus chooses us. And that should bring joy and gratitude to us. See, that that's, there's good news that there's nothing I have done to earn God's love. Because if I've done something to earn it, that means I have to keep on deserving it. Yeah. If I've done nothing to earn it, then that brings profound joy because there's nothing I can do to lose it. I've been given the greatest gift and, and I've been given a family to share it with. I mean, Peter lists all these you know, places around the, the Roman world. And that's a reminder that 
beyond just the congregation here at Faith or in Indianapolis or the United States. We are part of a global family of God's people. And, and if I'm in Christ, I have been given a new birth, Peter says in verse 3. Uh, it's a fresh start. It, it's not, you know, turning over a new leaf, but it's a whole new life, right? Have you ever wished you could get a do-over? Uh, Many times. <laughs> yeah, uh, just in the last couple of days. Uh, I'd really like a do-over. Um, if, you, if you know Christ, if you know Christ, you have been born again. You have a new, a whole new start, a whole new identity. And, and not just like, oh, here's a chance for you to, you know, get it right this time. But more like, imagine what it would be like if you were born into royalty or you were, you know, suddenly adopted by Bill Gates, right? Yeah. Like uh, you're born into all kinds of opportunities and access and, and privilege that we don't normally have. That's the picture that Peter is giving me. There's joy in knowing I'm part of God's family. God loves me and I have all the access and all the privilege to my heavenly father. I think we could put it this way. What helps us re remember this and rejoice is that telling myself no matter what, God loves me. No matter what I've done, no matter how I've messed up this week, I am full of joy. I can be full of joy because of knowing God's love, God's grace, God's delight in me in Jesus Christ. Because, you know, if your life is like mine, there's probably more than your fair share of regrets and mistakes and failures. But you are not a mistake. God chose you on purpose, and he chose you joyfully to share his joy with you so that you would be filled with his life and know that he loves you, not because of what you can do for him, but because of what Christ has done. And when that becomes our security, when that becomes our identity, how can that not bring joy about? Nothing can stop God from loving us. Yeah. And we have an opportunity to grow in that joy and nurture that joy within us by reminding ourselves of this truth. Yeah. Right? It, that by reminding ourselves that no matter what God loves me, no matter what mistakes I make today or tomorrow or next week, God will always and will still always love me. Right. And when I remind myself of that, it increases this opportunity to grow in joy. And of course, relationships, other people we said, sometimes we, we put our hope in other people. And those relationships can be, of course, a great source of happiness and joy. But the reality is, other people are always going to hurt me and let me down, and I'm going to always hurt them and let them down, this side of heaven. Um, Romantic love, family, friendships, uh, affirmation, approval, you know, the, the applause of other people. If you think about it, God intends for Jesus to be the ultimate fulfillment of all those desires. In Christ, we hear the applause of heaven. In Christ, we find a family. In Christ, we find identity and significance and love that will never walk out on us. God is the one who knows me to the deepest and loves me to the highest. And I rejoice when I realize that God has chosen me to be a part of his family. Yeah. And then Peter goes on uh, to say the other reason, another reason we rejoice is that God is at work 
in my life. I rejoice because God is working on me and working in me. I kind of have this uh, oh daydream. It's not even a plan, really. Um, <laughs> I, I love like a big old, you know, Detroit steel from the 50s and 60s. Like some, it'd be great to have like a, you know, an Impala or a Chevy Bel Air or, uh, you know, one of those classic cars, a GTO or something like that. And um, the problem is I have no ability for car repair. Uh, I have no place to store a car like that. Yeah. And I have no time to invest in learning how to do something like that. <laughs> Other than that, it's, you know, it's Maybe great. Maybe in idea, retirement. Right? Yeah, yeah, probably not, because I'll, I'll have other things that are more yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, so if I bought a project car, it's just going to sit in my garage, right? It's, it's just going to sit there and gather dust until Jesus comes again. And maybe sometimes we can kind of feel that way about ourselves. Like I'm a project that God has taken on, but he doesn't have time for, or he doesn't have the, his, his strength is not good enough to work in me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I have the sense, like I was created to be more than what I am. And yet I can look at my life and I can see the dashboards cracked and the floor pans rusted out and I need some new wiring and the engine makes funny noises. And, Sometimes it can feel like I'm not really sure I can be put back together again. But God is in the business of putting us back together again the right way. He is the master restorer. And Peter is reminding us he's, if anything, even more committed to our transformation than we are. Now look back in verse 2. Uh, Peter talks about us having been elected or chosen by God according to his foreknowledge in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. By the way, great Trinitarian reference there, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the Father has chosen us, uh, Jesus has died for us, and the Spirit is sanctifying us. Yeah. Um, so sprinkling in Jesus' blood. Now that's kind of an odd image, right? I mean, we don't, we don't do that right? Yeah. No animal sacrifice. So it's, I think it's a symbol, an image from the Old Testament of purification and, uh, and cleansing. And then the Holy Spirit is at work sanctifying us, which is a big word that means growing us, changing us. You know, we've said this process is slow and it's lifelong, but that's what God is at work doing, making us look more like Jesus and the Spirit is at work putting us back together in that way. And that's really important for us to remember when we don't feel like it and when it's maybe hard to see. Uh, you talked about growing some grass seed with hazel. And yeah. uh, it's really small fruit at first, right? And it, and it can be tempting to feel like nothing's happening here and, and there's no progress. And it's especially important to remember that God is at work when we're going through difficulty and trials and suffering. Uh, like these people that Peter's writing to and like maybe many of us over this past month or this year. Yeah, um, I wish I would have brought that bowl because, oh. um, you know, for the first week it seemed there was nothing, no life whatsoever in this little bowl that we had put grass seed in. And I genuinely thought, oh, we probably rotted out the seeds or like it's dead. I put it outside and I mean, we had watered it, but didn't see anything. And then now if you look at it, grass is, you know, two inches tall 
And I was yeah. surprised. Even I was surprised that there was th that was something was still growing. Because God is at work. Yeah, in, God in is ways at work. that we couldn't see. Um, uh, you know, some of us are maybe barely hanging on in in the reality of our lives right now. Uh, we don't know how we're going to get through today or this week. Uh, there's financial stresses. So, some people have really been profoundly affected uh, by this disease, even. Um, maybe you're struggling in a relationship. Maybe you're discouraged as a parent. Maybe you're discouraged with your parents. Uh, maybe just the loneliness of, of the isolation is getting to you. And, and you're, maybe you're just tired and you're feeling, I, I just don't know if I can go on. I don't know if God's doing anything. Yeah, and I think maybe even one of the hardest things is for those of us who have lost people during this time and we can't mourn or grieve the way we normally would. Um, we can't be together and give people a hug the way we want to. So yeah, I, I, I sense that yeah. there's a lot of people around us um, that are truly struggling to see any fruit during this time. And maybe even to believe that God could be doing something good yeah. in the middle of that, which is exactly what Peter, the situation that Peter is writing into. Uh, look at what he says in verse five. Uh, he talks about uh, we who have been chosen and by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And he goes on to say, in this you rejoice. I get the rejoicing in the salvation that's ready to be revealed, but I, don't, I think he's talking more broadly about yeah. we're rejoicing not because of the trials, but we're rejoicing even in the middle of the trials, I think because we know that God's power is guarding us in the middle of those trials. We are, we are being held, we're being kept, we're being protected in the middle of pandemics and pain, in, in the middle of uh, car problems and financial stresses, in the middle of frustrating work and family dynamics. And, and it's not that God is shielding us from the trials, but he's shielding us in the trials and, and through the trials. You know, if we had our choice, I mean, obviously we'd pick to not go through the difficulty, right? right? Like, I'll take the easy path, please. Yeah, I, I mean, I come to follow Jesus and, I, you know, that'd be awesome if it's, you know, just smooth sailing and a clear path all the way home. But that's not how God grows us, mostly, because God grows us through trials and through difficulty and, and through pain. And, and we need to remember that God brings those things not to destroy us, but to prune us in that image Jesus uses, to refine us. Look at, look at verse 7, what Peter says. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we endure through trials and difficulty, we're demonstrating that we really do love Jesus because we love him even when he's not providing the goodies. Because that perseverance brings praise and glory and honor to Christ, and I think praise for us when he returns to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and then we do that because we know and trust God's love for us. Look at verse 8. Oh, I, I love this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Yeah. 
oh, that's us, right? Yeah, and, and absolutely. We, and we believe in him, right? Like by faith, I am trusting that Jesus loves me and he's not bringing these things to crush or condemn me, but to purify me. And that's how we can be filled, as Peter says, with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That is not something we produce ourselves. That is clearly a work of the Spirit. That, because that's just not natural for us, right? To go through trials, to give praise to God in the trial in a way that brings glory to Him. So a, a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. If we're trying to get there ourselves, you know, working ourselves to try and get there, we're never going to get that type of joy. But when we recognize that through the Holy Spirit, God is working this type of joy within us, it causes us to rejoice. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so that's the reminder here is no matter what, God helps me. In all the trials and all the suffering and all the temptation, God is at work and he is actively helping me, working out his purposes. And in fact, I am in verse nine, obtaining the outcome of my faith, the salvation of my soul. Yeah. Right now, in the middle of that difficulty, it's, it's a confidence and assurance to me. You know, the reality is uh, way too often the goal of my life is short-term happiness. Yeah. And our world just excels at providing all kinds of opportunities and encouragements for short-term happiness. That's why I get upset when I'm hurt or mistreated or taken advantage of or abused. But if I can believe that God is working through that suffering to do something in me, to confirm my faith, to grow me to be more like Jesus, develop my character, that means I can have joy. That God is helping me, God is at work, and God intends good in the middle of it. I rejoice that God is working in my life because no matter what, he's helping me. All right, so... We see in 1 Peter that we rejoice because God has chosen us to be a part of his family. We're rejoicing that God is working in our lives, even in the suffering and in the trials. But I mean, I guess the question I'm still asking is, well, what about the future? You know, if God's chosen us, you know, before the foundation of the world and he's working in us currently, what do we have about our assurances for the future? Because I mean, you look around and you see all this upheaval in our economic system and around the world. There's a lot of disappointment and fear and worry and maybe even anxiety about not just what tomorrow holds, but what does next year hold or five years from now or 10 years from now. And so yeah. what, how do we rejoice in the unknown? Yeah, we, right. I mean, those things that we're experiencing right now are genuine disappointments, like the loss of loved ones. I mean, uh, retirement accounts all over the place, who even knows, yeah. right? You know, and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt and who knows how we're gonna pay it off. Uh, here you go, Hazel, here's a, here's a big pile of debt for you to inherit. Yeah. Uh, the reason we experience those things as disappointments, I think here and now, is actually what leads us into a, another kind of joy. It's actually a good thing that those things disappoint us because it's a reminder that there's something in us that says this is wrong and it shouldn't be like this. Like there's this longing in us for 
a future and a world that is right and does satisfy us. And I think that's the, the third thing that Peter is talking about here, that uh, I rejoice that God has secured a future for me. You know, we're probably familiar, maybe you've heard uh, the phrase how C.S. Lewis put it. If I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, it probably means I was made for another world. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, this world good. is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. If, in other words, if our happiness is tied up with a pursuit, then either we're destined for frustration or there's a goal to that pursuit yeah. that, that even the disappointment points us to. Because what, this, what our hearts are really longing for, this world can never give us because it can be taken away. I mean, look at, look at what Peter says in uh, verse four, the way he pictures this. He emphasizes it three times. We have been giving a living hope into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Do you see all the contrast to the kind of worldly treasures that yeah. we put our hopes in? Yeah. It, it will never go away. It, can, it, it will never be robbed or stolen. It's not going to fade. It's not going to wear out. And it's not even up to us to protect it. Like that's where our worry and anxiety can come from. Like yeah. I, I've got I've to make it work out the right way. Um, I, I've got to hoard resources. I've got to plan for the future and know that I have it under control. P Peter's saying, no, no, it's being kept for you, which means God is the one guaranteeing it. Yeah, we're not doing the keeping. God is the one doing it, the keeping. Exactly. Just like he's keeping us, he is keeping this imperishable, glorious treasure that we are heading towards. I mean, that's the, that's the picture that Peter wants us to have, that one day as a child of God, we will stand in his presence, undefiled, unashamed, with nothing more to desire or long for. All of our joy, all of our hopes, all, love will be complete and fulfilled. No more goodbyes, no more sorrow, no more brokenness. The, the happiness that our hearts were made for that we, that we get glimpses of here, we will now experience it fully. And if you think about it, there's no greater joy than to be invited to know that kind of glory, that kind of hope. That's what we were made for. That, that's, that's, and that's what Jesus has prepared for us to experience and guaranteed by himself because nothing can separate us from the promise of that fulfillment in Christ. God is the one who created it. God is the one who's keeping it. God is the one who's guaranteeing it. It truly is, I mean, as I'm just listening to you talk about it, I'm just like being reminded of this truth, of the gospel and just in amazement that it's not even just that God said, hey, I've prepared this you know, inheritance for you, but this is your end of the deal. This is what you have to do to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. But he has oh. both prepared it and kept it. That even after we've accepted the gospel and as we're, you know, walking with him, it's still not up to us. That getting to the finish line is still God working in us. And it's, yeah. he's the one keeping and guarding it for yeah. us. Yeah, and, and part of that responsible participation is reminding ourselves that all the situations all the possessions, all the relationships here on earth are wonderful blessings of God. 
but they are not the treasure and they cannot satisfy us. And I have to keep reminding myself of that because I'm constantly fighting the temptation to put my hope for the future in what I can secure, what I can own, what I can manage and control. See, there's this hope in Christ in eternity that means we have joy now because of that security. It's not like, you know, an employer who can say, you're fired, I don't want you anymore. Or a maid who could say, you know, I, I, don't, I want a separation, I don't want you anymore. God will never unchoose you. Yeah. The work that he has begun in us, he promises to carry to completion. And, and that means that, that no matter what, God keeps me. I love the... Uh... I don't know if you did this on purpose, but the way you worded this, that no matter what, God keeps me, there's almost a dual meaning that on one hand, he, he keeps me in that he's not going to reject me and he's not going to let go, but also keeps me in this sense of protecting or guarding. Yeah. 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 So I love that, that dual image of what God does in, his, in our lives to keep us for the end. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, to, and to remind myself, like you said, that in the middle of what's going on right now, I can have joy because God is at work and it's all part of the plan that he's working out to move me towards the future that he has secured. And as I keep my eyes on that, I have joy right now in, in things that can't ever satisfy me in that way because they will fade, they will perish they will become defiled. Yeah. So for myself, for all of us, for probably many of you, we're, we're sitting here thinking, okay, one of the flavors of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I don't feel like I'm experiencing much of that right now. What can I do to grow in joy? What would you yeah, say? Based um, upon what we've studied in First Peter, what would you yeah, say? I, I think it's this uh, reminder, maybe even from this definition that John Piper gave it. Yeah, there, there's an emotional component to it, but it, again, we can't command emotions, but we can have some effect over them. A, a feeling produced by the Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ. So my part in that is to both invite and look for ways to see the beauty of Christ, to see the goodness of Jesus in what He has done for me, in what he's doing for me right now, even in the hard things, and in the promise and hope that I have for the future. Because happiness is determined largely by circumstances, and it's not totally separate from joy, but joy is a deep-rooted contentment that comes from gratitude in Christ for who he is, what he has done, and where he's taking us. So the, the more that I see those things, even in the middle of everything else that's going on, the more joy I'm going to have. And it's a process. It, it's just yeah. like all the other yeah. elements of the fruit, right? Yeah. It, if this is one where maybe you're struggling, uh, give yourself grace. It, it's a process that we cooperate with God in, we grow in it, uh, but it may be starting out small for you right now. That's okay. The, the big takeaway is, Ultimately, lasting joy and happiness are found in God himself. God is the source yeah. of joy, happiness, and fulfillment. I, I love that Jesus said, I've come to give you joy and to make your joy complete. Yeah. Even though in this world you're going to have trouble, you will still have joy. It, it's a reminder that we need to give ourselves that 
eternal joy and happiness are God's plan for his people. Yeah. But that's built on the foundation, not of the circumstances we're in, but a knowledge of God's love and goodness to us in the gospel. And we cultivate that joy by trusting in his promises and expressing gratitude. I mean, that's what the, the physical expression of joy is gratitude, right? It's, it's praising God for who he is and what he's done. Yeah. Uh, that's an unshakable foundation for joy that God has chosen me, God is working in me, and God keeps me. Yeah, wow, that's powerful that even in this time we have reasons to rejoice. So uh, let me pray for yeah. us as, as we close. Thanks, Nathan. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great reminder in your word uh, of the joy that we have because you have chosen us, that you're working in us, and that you keep us. Father, we don't always feel like we're growing in joy. We might feel right now that we are experiencing the opposite of joy. But Father, we know that in you uh, there is joy and joy to the full. Pray that you would help us to see the little seeds that are growing uh, in each of our lives, that we, as we walk with you, as we follow you, as we keep in step with the Spirit, you are growing this fruit within us. Thank you for your word and this time together that we have this morning to, to study it, to reflect on it, and to get to know you more. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.